and welcome to this Endo Life episode 79. I'm Jessica Duffin and this podcast is all about living and thriving with endometriosis. As always, this show is not intended to replace your current medical treatment and should be used for educational purposes only. Before I begin today's show, I just want to give a word to my lovely sponsors, BU. BU have been helping me so much in the past couple of weeks. Um, I'm sure if you follow me on Instagram, you guys know that I have been doing a low oxalate, low histamine, autoimmune protocol, all the things um, to help me to kind of get to the bottom of my interstitial cystitis bladder pain. Um Obviously, I have been managing my endometriosis for years and in kind of the absence of the endo pain, um, I became aware of this IC pain, which has progressed over the years. And so I'm on this protocol um, and there are still things triggering me and, you know, we're trying to work out what they are. Um, It's quite a complex situation and... I don't think I would be getting much sleep at all if it honestly wasn't for the BU patches and and for the um, CBD drops, uh, CBD drops and spray and the sleep mist helping me to get to sleep and kind of calm down um, in the evening because most of the time, I would say 80 to 90% of the time, I am try to get to sleep in pain at the moment um so having the BU patches and it's so it's so ridiculous because I know how much they work and literally two nights ago I was like just ride out the pain just ride it out be present with it do some mindfulness with it sit with the pain and just see whether you can you know relax into it um And sometimes that's really, really effective. And sometimes you need a little bit of help. And an hour later, I still needed help. And I put the BU patches on and literally within minutes, as it, you know, kind of calmed down the area, I was asleep. So it's, they have just been my lifesavers. If you are new to the show and you don't know what I'm talking about, the BU patches are like plasters, long, thin plasters that you apply to your abdomen or your back, if that's kind of where you get the majority of your endo pain. Um, And they release natural oils into your skin that actually calm down and reduce cramping. Um, So lots of people use them for their periods. That's what they're designed for. Um, So many people with endometriosis swear by them, including me. Um, And now I'm just going to add interstitial cystitis into the mix because it helps me so much to manage that symptom um, when, you know, I'm going through a really tricky time with it. They also do CBD, a full CBD range, including drops, um, a balm and sprays. They have a beautiful smelling, completely natural sleep mist, which really helps me. As you guys know, I struggle with insomnia quite a bit. Um, they also have a chafing cream um, or a chafing balm and a menstrual cup. So definitely go and check them out because they have all the things to help you have a better period. If you want to check them out, the patches are available on subscription. You can soon buy them in Superdrugs, so keep your eye out for those. 
And you can also shop directly on their website, which is www.buonline.co.uk. If you are outside of the UK, you can go to cultbeauty.co.uk and they actually ship worldwide. So definitely check them out if you want to try them and you're not in the UK. I just wanted to give a shout out to my lovely new sponsors and fellow endo queen, Samane. Samane is a natural plant-based supplement designed by twin sisters with endo, Catherine and Lauren. They were on the show a couple of months ago. The supplement is designed to reduce inflammation and pain signals during our period. And if you take it over several months, it will work to reduce the cumulative inflammation, which builds up and is so common in people with endometriosis and can really contribute to pain. Semaine is made up of nine natural ingredients, which have been shown in studies to reduce pain and inflammation in people with endo or with painful periods. These ingredients include some of my favourites, which you've heard me talk about again and again, and make my life much easier, including curcumin for lowering inflammation, ashwagandha for reducing stress and fatigue, magnesium to reduce muscle cramps, and anti-inflammatory antioxidant resveratrol. If you want to try Semaine, they are currently offering 15% off your first order and they deliver worldwide and do discounts for people who are living outside of the US to make shipping a bit cheaper. The link to their website is in my show notes or you can just head there directly at www.semainehealth.com. That's S-E-M-A-I-N-E. And just to give you a heads up, I am booking in consultation calls for the whole of March um, before my next Owning Your Endo Life one-to-one coaching program that's starting in April. So if you're interested in finding out a little bit more about the coaching and you want to speak to me about your symptoms and what's going on for you with endometriosis, then you can book in a call with me. The link to book in is in my show notes and the link to the coaching page is in my show notes so you can just check them out um, and see what you think. The co- The consultation call is completely free. We'll be on a call for an hour and I just get to understand what's going on for you and whether this is the right program for you. And if it's not, we can still have a chat. I can still give you some tips. I can still email you some resources after our call to help you get started on your own. Um, so don't feel that this is an obligation. Um, I always try to make these calls as helpful as possible and to serve you as best I can. Um, so if you are interested, the coaching will be beginning mid-April. And um, as I said, the information about the coaching is online, but it's a fully comprehensive 12-week program where we go through your hormone levels, your inflammation levels, what's going on with your gut health, optimizing your diet, optimizing your um, detoxification systems, reducing stress, learning pain management tools. We go through all the things and um, it's completely tailored to you and what you need support with. So um, just drop me an email, hello at thisenderlife.com if you want to find out more or you can just fill out the form on the website. So today's episode um, is a series. I'm not actually quite sure how long the series is going to be. Let's see. Let's see how it goes. Um, All about the endo belly and really kind of breaking down what the endo belly is and kind of getting to grips with how important the gut is. 
So today's show is really an introduction to it and it might be a little bit surprising to you some of the methods that I suggest to manage the endo belly and also um, what can cause it and what can affect it. So many of us deal with the endo belly and if you're not sure what I'm talking about it's the bloating that often comes with living with endometriosis and for some people it happens around their period, for some people it happens all the time and if that is the case then we're kind of looking at a couple of things going on rather than just one and many of us don't really know what it is. So there isn't a kind of definitive answer on what the endo belly is. They're not 100% sure. There's not a huge amount of research into it. Um, so in this series, I'm going to be exploring the various factors that might be contrib- contributing to that bloating that you get with endometriosis. Um, at a very, very basic level, there are two kind of bodies of thought. One is that um, the and you know, scientifically, this makes perfect sense. Um, the endometriosis patches, the lesions, actually give off uh, inflammatory chemicals. They, you know, they've seen that they do this. Um, and on top of that, you've got your immune system constantly attacking these lesions because they're not going anywhere. They're not. They're not disappearing when they should be. They should be cleared out of the body. The immune system should be able to clear up this mess. And it's, so it can't. It can't do that. It doesn't, it's not working as effectively with endometriosis. So it's just sending more and more inflammation to the area because that's what our body does. Like inflammation is part of the immune's healing response. So we've got a lot of inflammation going on in that area and it's sort of like a cycle. The endometriosis is releasing inflammatory chemicals, the immune system sending inflammatory chemicals, and then the body's like it's not working, and that goes up to the brain, so the brain sends more inflammatory uh, inflammation down, and there's pain signals coming from the lesions, um, or, you know, there's, there's pain coming from the area going to the brain, and so it's sending a more of an immune response. So you've just got this big cycle of inflammation going on, and this can cause swelling. And the scarring and the adhesions that are forming from lesions can also cause swelling as well. So the swelling can definitely be a cause of the bloated abdomen. And of course, as the lesions kind of get more irritated and begin to break down towards our period, then that's going to be adding to that inflammation, especially because uh, when we are due on, our body releases inflammatory chemicals um, in order to help our body to start cramping and to start get the blood, getting the blood moving. So if we've got high levels of inflammation in our body, then um, that could be worsening the effects. Then we have uh, IBS. So many people with endometriosis were misdiagnosed with IBS. And even if they weren't misdiagnosed, they are suffering from symptoms of IBS. And that can include bloating. So those are kind of the two um, basic bodies of thought without getting kind of you know, that they're kind of umbrellas and there's more, I guess there's more to it underneath as we're, we're explore. But today I'm starting from the very top and this series is really going to be focusing on the gut in regards to 
um, the endo belly rather than the kind of inflammation because throughout so much of the um, podcasts I've done, like inflammation has been such a big topic. Um, so I might get someone else on the show to go into the science of the breakdown of the lesions and the swelling that happens around there. We'll see. But the the kind of point of this series is more to talk about the gut as we haven't really covered that in great detail on the show. So I'm not actually going to begin with what we eat, but when and how we eat. And just as importantly, how you're feeling when you eat. So you could have a really healthy diet, but if you have poor gut health, you're firstly you're not going to be absorbing nutrients properly, or you're you know you're going to have a lesser chance of absorbing those nutrients properly, and that can lead to malabsorption um, and deficiencies, which can worsen your symptoms such as fatigue. Secondly, your poor gut health is likely contributing to sensitivities and intolerances, and As a result, that's creating a heightened immune response and that's resulting in further inflammation in the body. I want to explore what this has to do with how, where and when you're eating and how you're feeling when you're eating. So the first point is that for the body to optimally absorb food and to function efficiently, you actually need to be relaxed when eating. The reason being is because stress actually shuts down Um, or slows down the digestion, um, or, you know, it it impairs it depending on the level of stress. So you have something called the sympathetic nervous system, and that's a network of nerves within the brain and body which trigger the flight or fight response when we're stressed out. And, you know, back in the day, in the caveman days, that was when we were stressed by threats from another tribe or threats from wild animals, something like that. But the basic, you know, our basic bodily functions haven't really evolved and kept up with the rate of change in our world. So we still have this response going off anytime we feel stressed. So that could be um, trolls on the internet. It could be our boss. It could be comparison on social media. It could be money. Um, It could be the kids shouting while you're trying to eat dinner, whatever it is, um, it could be triggering this flight or fight response. And the flight or fight response is the kind of functions that happen in the body that prepare us to either run from the threat or to attack, to fight it, to take it on. So this can be such as, you know, increasing our heart rate so we can pump more blood around our body so we can run. Um, it can be kind of getting the muscles engaged and ready, sending blood to the muscles so that they're ready to fight or run. And it basically takes the attention away from the more non-survival, like in the moment survival actions. So that includes something like the digestion. So when we're stressed, the brain sends signals to slow down or to stop the digestion so that energy can be directed to getting through the situation, the stressful situation alive. So we don't need our digestion in that moment when we're going to attack. So or we're going to run and the body will take the energy away from there and focus on the other essential um, systems. Then we have the parasympathetic nervous system. 
which is otherwise known as the rest and digest system. So that largely controls the digestion um, and brings the body back into balance, especially after the sympathetic nervous system has kind of kicked into action. So it's also the system that's in control when we're asleep, because that's when the majority of our repairing and healing and kind of cleaning of our body happens. So that that system is in control when we're asleep. So to properly absorb nutrients, we need to turn down the sympathetic nervous system and turn on the parasympathetic nervous system. And if we're not doing that, if we're eating under really stressful situations, then we are not going to be able to create the right amount of digestive enzymes, the right amount of stomach acid, right enough you know, the right amount of bile, we are going to be impairing our body's ability to break down the food and absorb nutrients. And we might even cause um, digestive distress. So kind of cramping uh, if we're really nervous and we're kind of getting that tight stomach feeling. So the second reason why this matters is because stress is a key contributor to something called leaky gut. So the gut lining is the wall of your gut and it's very, very thin. It's one cell thick and it has very tight junctions, meaning kind of where each cell joins is very, very tight. There's there's very little space there. And these cells allow through nutrients. And in the gut lining, you'll find good bacteria. Um, you will find digestive enzymes, um, and these will help to break down the food and it will support the structure of the gut lining. um, And, you know, they'll do the work to help get the, you know, break down the nutrients and get them passed through, through the gut barrier safely and into the bloodstream on the other side. Now, on the other side of the gut lining, there's actually kind of a wall, if you like, of our immune system. So there are kind of immune cells waiting on the other side to attack anything that shouldn't be there, like pathogens, that's something that was going to cause us food poisoning that was small enough to pass through the gut lining. Actually, 80% of our immune system is in or around our gut. So this is a really important thing to, to take note of. So then when cortisol is released during the stressful situation, so that's one of our stress hormones, it triggers the release of protein molecules called cytokines um, from the immune system. Now, so many of these cytokines are actually inflammatory and they actually cause the intestinal barrier to be weakened. So that gut line that I'm talking about, these cytokines that are released from released during the stress response actually break down and weaken the gut lining. They weaken that those tight junctions, those tight gaps between the cells. They essentially cause those gaps to widen, which means particles that shouldn't be getting through, get through. So things like bacteria that shouldn't be getting through, larger food particles that shouldn't be getting through, they can all get through this gut, bacteria, uh, this gut barrier now. As I mentioned, on the other side is the immune system, and that's ready and waiting to attack things like bacteria that might make us sick. But all of a sudden, there's, you know, well, not necessarily all of a sudden, over time, there's um, other stuff passing through, which isn't supposed to be there. And the immune system reacts because it's recognizing something that shouldn't be there. It's not necessarily something that is 
dangerous to us. It's just not supposed to be there and the immune system essentially overreacts a bit. So this causes an inflammatory response in the area, but when chronic can cause inflammation across the body. Because what's happening is every time we eat, the immune system is having this inflammatory response and it's not calming down because we're eating every day. And so this inflammation becomes chronic, it becomes constant and our bodies go, you know, become chronically inflamed systemically all over. And what happens when we have leaky gut is that we then start developing intolerances and sensitivities because we are experiencing an immune reaction to foods. Um, so we might suddenly find that we're reacting to everything or we were, we could eat gluten before or we could eat eggs before or we could eat certain um grains before and all of a sudden we can't and that is likely to do with having a compromised gut lining and the immune system is suddenly reacting to everything and you may find that you're having kind of allergy slash sensitivity reactions in the rest of your body you eat and you get headache you eat and you get congestion you eat and you get a bad stomach you eat and you get a rash you eat and you get achy joints So if you're having those kind of symptoms, consider that you may have some leaky gut going on. So the third reason why this is so important, like considering what's going on with um, how you're feeling when you're eating, is that the stomach contains acid, which serves the role of breaking down food, killing bad bacteria that, you know, was on our food or was on our hands. There's bacteria everywhere. And it can be good or bad. Um, But, you know, the the body has ways of dealing with that. So the stomach acid should be killing it off. Um, The stomach acid is also really important for protein breakdown and absorption. And it also releases B12 from foods we eat so that we can digest and absorb that B12. And B12 plays a really important role in our cognitive function and our energy Um, amongst so many other things. Um, But many people who are struggling with things like brain fog and fatigue may find, not always, this isn't always the case, but um, may find that B12 is an issue. Maybe they're deficient or they're just not getting enough in their diet or they're having problems absorbing it. So stress, among other things, can actually reduce stomach acid. And what happens is, it's exactly the same as what I was talking about earlier, the brain is turning the digestion off and the signals to create stomach acid we've seen food our body's like okay get that stomach acid ready it's just not happening because our stress response is turning it off so when we have low stomach acid this can cause poor food breakdown and ibs issues because if you think about it your food is coming in it's not breaking down properly and then you've got like big chunks of food in your stomach causing things like fermentation um because the gut bacteria is just getting these lovely big chunks of food and it's like really excited and it starts eating it all and creating fermentation um and of course it's just harder for our body to digest so we start getting ibs issues and an upset stomach like gas cramping bloating diarrhea it also creates 
gut bacteria imbalances because you are suddenly letting through a lot more bacteria than you were before. So bacteria, whether it's good or bad, has an opportunity to um, grow in abnormal ratios or where it shouldn't be. So with the gut bacteria, the small intestine has a small amount of bacteria. It's the large intestine that has the majority of the bacteria. So we want to make sure that we're keeping the bacteria in balance, especially in the small intestine, because when it grows in large numbers um, and kind of out of the ratios that it should be in, that's when we get something like SIBO. And SIBO is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And I will be talking about that in the series, um, in this series. So if you want to learn more, um, yeah, I'm going to be talking about it. And I'm already talking about it in a series on Instagram. So you can just head over there. It can also cause nutrient deficiencies like B12 um, or, you know, protein and amino acids because the part of the digestion of those that begin in the stomach isn't happening. The fourth reason why this is important is because we have digestive enzymes in our gut. Digestive enzymes help our body to break down and make use of fats, carbohydrates, proteins, and they are so essential to absorbing these nutrients um, and making use of them. If you don't have these, then you're likely going to be struggling to absorb the nutrients. You're going to be likely struggling to break down the food. So you're going to be having gut reactions. Um, it might even be irritating the gut lining because you can't, you're not digesting this food properly. So you've kind of got larger chunks, um, larger particles that might be irritating the gut lining. Um, and your bacteria in your gut is reacting to the food more because it's not broken down properly. So there's all of this undigested food um, and unutilized food that the bacteria, we're not getting the food, we're not getting the protein, we're not getting the carbohydrates um, or the fats. So the bacteria is having a field day, mainly on the carbohydrates. Bacteria really um, feed off carbohydrates. So you may find that if you're low in the enzyme for carbohydrates that you or the enzymes for carbohydrates that you're having quite a big reaction in terms of bloating gas um, because the bacteria are having a field day that there's lots of carbohydrates in your system that they can eat up and with everything else I've mentioned today the stress response can then slow down the digestion and impair kind of the signals um, from the brain to start getting ready for digestion. Uh, we already have some digestive enzymes existing in our gut, but then also a large amount of them are released from the pancreas um, and then enter, enter into our gut to do their job. So if our body is in this flight or fight and it's like, I don't have time for digesting right now, it's going to slow down those signals or stop them completely. And so we're not having a lovely release of digestive enzymes to help us break down that food. And if you're, you know, if you're really struggling with, di with digestive enzymes, for example, like I am, that's something that we have discovered when I did the 
GI map and organic acids tests, um, you're not absorbing your food properly. So just to give you an example, I haven't been absorbing antioxidants. Um, so I haven't, I haven't been absorbing vitamin A, I haven't been absorbing vitamin C, I haven't been absorbing magnesium, um, I haven't been absorbing B vitamins, <laughs> vitamin D. So I have been, um, my gut health has really compromised my health overall. So you can see how these gut problems can result in further problems with our endometriosis because low B vitamins can cause fatigue and brain fog um, and low levels of v uh, vitamin D can has been associated with higher levels of inflammation and low levels of antioxidants means that there's more oxidation in your body um, because you don't have the antioxidants to counteract them and then you've got more inflammation. So um, really given everything that I have going on in my gut. I'm surprised that I don't have higher levels of inflammation and kind of pain in, you know, with my with my endometriosis. But I guess that shows why I have to, you know, why I'm so sensitive to foods. Um, because if I'm not really, really controlling what I eat uh, in a healthy way, I'm I'm super happy with the way I eat most of the time, except on this elimination diet. Um, then if I, you know, have a bit of gluten or I have a bit of sugar, or I have a bit of coffee, I tend to know about it. So that makes sense. Um, so the fifth reason is that the gut microbiome, so that's the bacteria that live in your gut that help us to digest food, that send signals to the brain that are really responsible for so, so many actions in our body can also be impaired due to stress. Um, and the stress can deplete it, it can upset the ratios, um, it can do all sorts of things with the gut microbiome and this results in imbalances between the kinds of bacteria that we have in our gut. And imbalances with, with the bacteria can result in issues like excess fermentation, as I was mentioning before, leading to gas and bloating or it could lead to perhaps other kind of non-endobelly related issues such as um, depression or anxiety um, or like low energy production because our the bacteria is such an important part of our body. It's so essential um, and they serve so many roles and have been heavily linked to mental health. So often people who have issues like depression, anxiety, have some gut health um, issues especially with their gut bacteria. And the sixth reason why stress, you know, why it's important to be eaten in a relaxed environment, feeling good when you're eating, is because generally stress can cause GI distress. So it can cause things like um, cramping, diarrhea, um, can definitely cause constipation too but I think if you think about when you're nervous or stressed out a lot of people tend to get a more of an upset stomach could cause nausea uh, can cause acid reflux it can cause um, excess gas abdominal pain so again another reason another way that stress can affect the gut and then result in bloating that we know to be the endo bloat so again there are other reasons why bloating might occur like SIBO, 
like other issues that we're going to dive into over the next few series, uh, next few episodes of this series. Um, but this is on a very basic level. We're going back to kind of the essentials of how you're eating your food and the feelings you're having when you're eating the food and how that impacts on your digestion and then on this bloating that you're experiencing. Just a reminder that this episode is sponsored by BU. These natural patches last for 12 hours, so they bring prolonged relief and can begin working on relaxing your muscles before the pain kicks in. So you're prepared even if your period comes during the middle of the day. So if you know you're due on, you might want to start wearing your period patch 24 hours beforehand just so that your muscles begin to relax and you're less likely to have really bad cramps. To find out more about BU, you can just head to link in my show notes or go to www.buonline.co.uk. This episode is also sponsored by my free endometriosis symptom tracker. If you kind of feel a bit overwhelmed by your pain and your symptoms and you really just don't know where to start with managing them, then tracking your symptoms over a couple of months or even just a month to see what your triggers might be could be really helpful. I've put together a free download that helps you track your pain, your mood, your brain fog, uh, your bloating, where you are in your cycle, your eating habits, your stress levels, so many different things um, in a really simple and effective way. If you'd like to try it out, um, obviously it's free, just head to the show notes, follow the link and you can get your own copy. So just to recap, the first reason this is important is because for the body to, to optimally absorb foods and to function efficiently, you need to be relaxed when you're eating because the flight or fight response will turn off or to slow down the digestive system. Second reason is because stress is a key contributor to leaky gut and leaky gut can create all sorts of problems, including intolerances and sensitivities and bloating as a result. The third reason is stomach acid. So feeling stressed out and not just not feeling good when you're about to eat or rush in can reduce the stomach acid in your stomach. The fourth reason is that stress can affect our production of digestive enzymes, which means that we are not breaking down or absorbing uh, essential macro and micronutrients. Number five is that the gut microbiome can also be impaired from stress and that can result in imbalances which leads to all sorts of problems including excess fermentation and bloating. And number six is that generally stress causes GI issues especially in people who have IBS. So how do you know if your body is in flight or fight or rest and digest mode? So I'm going to ask you a series of questions. You don't have to ask these every time you eat because that's probably just going to stress you out. But just have an awareness of it. Think about how you tend to eat and maybe make some changes if you feel that you can take that on at the moment. So the first question to ask yourself is, are you rushing your food? Are you eating your food at your desk whilst you're standing up, like a phone in one hand, you're trying to send an email um, or you're trying to eat quickly because you've got a meeting or you're in the middle of a meeting and you guys are just, you know, having like a two minute lunch break to like stuff down a wrap whilst you're talking. 
This rushing is going to be perceived by your body as stress, but it's also just not going to be turning on the parasympathetic nervous system. It's not going to be optimizing your digestive system. Are you feeling fearful or anxious about food? Are you at this point where you're like, I just don't know what the hell to eat? I had a situation last week. It was the first week on this elimination diet. And um, my nutritionist has been trying to get me to eat eggs. And obviously you guys know I'm uh, vegan. Um, I've tried eggs a couple of times in the past. I just haven't really got on with them. But I was starving. I couldn't find anything that I could eat. So the one place that would serve kind of anything for me um, and all was this, this one place that had poached eggs on the menu and it also had a side of asparagus and broccoli so I had poached eggs and asparagus and broccoli and um I was so <laughs> I'd have no if you eat eggs in front of me I'm no problem with it absolutely no problem um but I have discovered that because it's a mental thing for me and it's a value thing for me I struggle with seeing the eggs like you know in that form in that cooked form right in front of me still kind of runny on the inside um I I'm doing much better cooking them into things so I'm not really noticing it noticing it unless I can taste them then that becomes a bit of a problem but um they were runny and they just leaked all over the asparagus and broccoli and um it was the first time I was eating them um and it just did not agree with me at all. I felt really stressed out about it, that I was kind of making this decision out of desperation of being really hungry because I knew that just eating the broccoli and the asparagus wouldn't be enough to stabilize my blood sugar. And that wasn't going to be any good for my health. So I, I knew I needed some protein in some form, but I can't eat any grains. I can't eat any nuts. Um, and there weren't any plain, you know, unflavored beans on the menu um so I went with the eggs and I just felt very stressed and under pressure and then there was um a family next to me who had by the sounds of it recently gone vegan for veganuary and they were really making daggers at my eggs and I just felt so uncomfortable and um I had some of the wor worst intestinal pain I've ever had it was literally like my digestive tract was seizing up and being like nope not letting these eggs through and it was just so painful I didn't have any other symptoms other than this intense pain that made me feel like I could barely stand up so it's just really interesting how feeling fearful or anxious about your food can affect your digestive system and it's sending it's sending the same stress response it doesn't matter what you're stressed out about it's still sending that stress response out into your body um, so if you are feeling anxious or fearful around your food, whether you have kind of, um, you know, a difficult relationship with food because of a history of eating disorders or whether it's more that you're just not sure what's causing your endometriosis triggers. Um, firstly, I would suggest going back and listening to my last two episodes with Molly Robertson, because we talk all about that. And secondly, I would try to work with someone, um, you know, a psychologist, if it's more a mental emotional thing or a nutritionist or a health coach to help you work out what your triggers are so you can start actually eating in more of a relaxed way and feeling more confident about the foods you're choosing to eat. 
The second question is a little bit like the first one, but are you eating on the go in the middle of something, uh, in the middle of like rushing down the road, you're trying to eat your sandwich or, you know, on the tube, you're feeling a bit uncomfortable, but you've got to get something in because you're so hungry, you're going to pass out. Um, are you eating on the go? Because again, you're not, you're, you're rushing, you're not really paying attention to your food, you're not looking at your food, you're not kind of like, you're not telling your brain to get excited about the food so that the signals to your body, you know, get sent to be like, okay, make the digestive enzymes, make the bile, make the acid. Um, your body isn't being prepared to eat because the thing, the focus is I've got to get where I'm going or I've got to get through this report. I've got to do this. And that is creating, you know, a suboptimal environment for your digestion. Are you eating in a tense or unhappy environment when you eat? Um, so this could be as simple as um, you are having a bad day at work and you're really pissed off with your colleague and you're eating at your desk next to them and that's just, you just feel ratty. Um, or is it a bit deeper? Are you eating at home in a stressful environment where you and your partner aren't quite getting on and dinner times are just a little bit awkward? Or are you living somewhere where you're feeling unhappy and when you sit down at your dining room table to eat, you're just faced with the fact that you're in this living room that you're really uncomfortable with, you're not happy there? Or it could be something like, not necessarily that it's a tense or unhappy environment, but it could be stressful. Maybe you know, maybe you have children and dinner times have become a bit of a free-for-all and the kids are kind of screaming at each other and fighting or running around or you're actually eating in front of the TV and um, the kids are playing and there's just lots of noise going on, you're struggling to eat off your lap. Like, it could be very, very simple, but it's just not optimal for digestion. Are you standing up when you're eating rather than sitting down and kind of paying attention to your food? Are you gulping down your food? Are you like not really spending time chewing and you're just kind of inhaling that food to get it in? Are you not enjoying your food? I am a prime example. The past two weeks, I've really not enjoyed my food. Um, and there could be many things that I could change about that with the elimination diet, you know, experimenting with new recipes, doing a bit more meal prep. It's difficult when you're busy and you are moving away. Pretty much everything that I used to eat has been eliminated. So I'm I'm not just having to try new recipes. I'm actually having to rethink how I cook. I can't use any milks. So I can't use any oat milks, can't use any almond milk. Um, I can't use any hemp seeds. I can't use any binders that I used to use like flax um, or psyllium husk I can't use arrowroot I can't use you know there's literally little things that you know I shouldn't even be using much um, baking powder there's there's so many things that are affecting what I can make that it's literally a whole uh, mindset change I'm I'm having to learn how to cook in a completely different way so that definitely takes time and I'm learning, so I'm, you know, I'm making foods that aren't that enjoyable. And then I'm just forcing myself to eat it because I have to, but I'm just a bit miserable whilst I'm doing it. And that's not going to send the right signals to your brain. You're not going to be making the saliva. The digestion begins in your saliva. 
you have digestive juices in your saliva that begin to break down. And if we're not getting excited about our food, if we're not telling our brain we're about to eat this lovely nourishing meal, it's just not going to optimally begin that digestion process. And the saliva is not going to be produced in the same way. The enzymes won't be produced in the same way. We need to be, you know, enjoying our food to feel relaxed about it, but also to create this optimal digestion. So what ways can you engage the parasympathetic nervous system when you're eating in order to optimize digestion? So think about where you're eating. Move away from your work. If you're eating at your desk, I am guilty of this. My living room table is my work desk. So I just tend to eat right in front of my computer, my keyboard pushed to the side. Um, and it's bad, I know. <laughs> but um, I'm working on that. Um, so consider where you're eating. Give yourself time to eat. Five minutes is not optimal. It's not going to be enough time to chew your food. Sometimes, granted, sometimes we can't always have this perfect scenario for eating. It doesn't always work like that. I would rather you eat and get some food in your system than not eat at all because you're like, oh, I'm not sitting at a table. I have to eat on the train. If that's the case, that's the case. Um, and I've got a couple of tips to help with something like that. Um, but try to give yourself time to eat, you know, 15 minutes at least to really chew your food and enjoy your food. Choose food that you enjoy as often as possible. Think about colour, taste, texture, smells. Make it enticing, like make yourself feel excited to eat the food. And it can take really small changes. It could be like a squeeze of orange juice over a salad. It could be like a sprinkle of seeds that make it look interesting. It could be a couple of different colour vegetables, beetroot, carrot, yellow pepper. It could be a sprinkle of fresh herbs or... Um, you know, some broccoli sprouts or alfalfa sprouts, just to make it look enticing, a drizzle of olive oil, um, sprinkle of some dried herbs, just make sure that you're adding flavor and color and beautiful smells to your food. It doesn't have to be crazy fancy, it just needs to be interesting to you. If you're feeling fear around your food, um, address that, as I mentioned, with the support of a dietitian or a mental health expert, health coach, nutritionist, etc. Um, try to calm down before you eat. So something that I do with a lot of my clients is just asking them, okay, if you're really busy, if you have to eat on the go, just take a deep breath. You know, count in four breath, count in to four, breathe out six. So breathe in through your nose and breathe out through your mouth. You could do it three times. You could just do it once. If you're on, you know, if you're eating on the go, if you're walking down the street or you are on the bus or on the tube or um, at your desk, like it's a busy day. You've just got to get the food in. Just literally take a breath. It's not going to take even more than a minute, guys. You're like literally, literally doing it for a couple of seconds um, and it can really, really help. Um, alternatively or with, you could have some, something you're grateful for. Say, stop before you eat and just say something in your head about what you're grateful for. It could be really simple. Like I'm grateful today that I got some time to talk with my partner at breakfast. It could be super simple, but it kind of stops the 
the stress response in its tracks. You're kind of interfering with that constant signal it's sending. I'm stressed out, I'm stressed out, I'm stressed out. And it's like, I'm just going to take a minute to appreciate something. And it just slows that response down. Another option is, you know, if you're religious or spiritual, is saying prayer, a very short prayer or grace um, before your meal. And it can be private. No one has to see. You know, you can say it in your head if you're feeling uncomfortable. Um, but just, you know, breath, gratitude, prayer, grace, these things are just basically stopping that steam train of stress in its tracks and slowing you down and really you can implement something as simple as breath anywhere if you can't do the other things at least do the breath chew your food rather than rush in i'm going to do an episode on optimizing your digestion especially around chewing um but you know chew your food rather than rushing rather than gulping it down because you're not going to be getting those digestive enzymes um the, the digestive juices working in your mouth, you're not going to be sending the right signals to the rest of your digestive tract that it's time to start absorbing food. Um, and when you're, you know, when you're rushing your food and gulping it down, you're kind of telling your body, your actions are telling your body, I'm under pressure here. You know, I have to get this food in and it, it feels like a threat. As often as possible, sit down when you eat and try to create a calming pleasant scene at the table you know in the in the evening maybe you can have a candle or maybe you can have a bunch of flowers or maybe you can lower the lighting or just have some nice music playing whatever it is just try to make it a little bit more pleasant if you can't you know if it's not the evening it's lunchtime and the only space for you to eat is at your desk maybe just like put your notebook in a drawer for a minute so you're not staring <laughs> at your notebook or in your diary whilst you eat um, just try to create even something small that just makes it feel a bit more pleasant to sit down and eat at wherever you're eating um, and sitting down, you know, so your body can really calm down and get the signals that, okay, I'm now sitting down and it's time to eat. And as often as possible, which is not always possible, but, you know, as often as you can, eat with friends and people who you love. That's going to make you feel good. It's going to make you feel relaxed. You're going to enjoy your food in good company. And it's just creating these feel-good vibes that really just calm you down and make you feel safe and supported. And finally, don't allow yourself to get so hungry um, that you're stressing out because you're like, oh, I need to eat. Like, I feel really ratty. I feel really shaky. I feel really low. And then you're just stuffing your face with whatever you can eat because actually having low blood sugar and high blood sugar is a stressor for the body. The body is going to see that as a stress. So already you're not optimizing your digestion. And then you're like stuffing your face with something. And I'm guilty of it too, you know, when I'm like suddenly really hungry because I haven't had a chance to find any food. Um, and you just kind of eat whatever you can grab in sight at a really quick pace. Um, you've kind of got a double whammy there. You've got the low blood sugar being a stressor on your body, but you've also got the kind of gulping down the food, um, affecting the way that you are preparing your body for digestion. So as often as you can, don't let, allow yourself to get so hungry that you're stressing out. Have some snacks with you, meal plan if you can and if appropriate, and as long as that's not stressing you out. But, you know, have some nuts or berries um, or just some healthy snacks um, with you so that you don't get stuck in one of those moments. Okay, so that was like a really beginner's guide to kind of optimizing the digestion 
and getting your body ready to absorb food properly and reduce that bloating that you get with the endo belly. In the next episode um, of this series, it's not necessarily going to be the next episode, but in the next episode of this series, I'm going to talk more about the importance of chewing stomach acid and digestive enzymes and what you can do to optimize those and how you can recognize signs that they might be low um, and not functioning how they should be. I hope this episode was helpful to you. Um, I would love to hear what you think and I'd love to hear um, if these episodes, these kind of episodes are a little bit more um, sciencey um, and a bit more detailed are useful to you. So please um, send me a message on Instagram or email me um, and let me know um, if it helped you and what else you would like to know in this series. Uh, I hope you guys have a lovely week. If you want to find out more about what I do or read more on endometriosis and living well with it, um, you can head to my Instagram page, which is this underscore endolife. Um, you can head to my website, which is www.thisendolife.com. And you can also get um, a free guide to managing endometriosis naturally on my website. Um, I've put the link in my show notes. It's a beginner's guide to getting started and all of the areas that I um, have worked on to help reduce my endometriosis symptoms and pain and live well with endometriosis. As always, if you like this show, please rate, review and or subscribe. It really, truly does help others to hear the podcast and hopefully will help them to live better with endometriosis. This episode was produced by The Pod Farm. Whether you're an established podcaster or just getting started, visit thepodfarm.com to see how they can help you go from an idea to a finished show that's ready to be heard by the world.